this week on the Chicago Bears Review. As we finally move into the NFC North, we go from those teams we see once in a while to the rivals we see twice a year, and we get things started with the one and only Minnesota Vikings. Can the Vikings rebound from a disappointing year, or will they continue to struggle? Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman joins us on the first NFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We are headed into the home stretch with our same place opponents, NFC South, AFC North, all behind us now. In the rearview mirror, we look ahead to our home division in the NFC North. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for number 11 of 14, the Minnesota Vikings preview, part number one of the NFC North of the Chicago Bears review. What's going on, everybody? Uh, hope you're having a good weekend. I'm um, recording this on Friday night, my conversation with uh, with uh, with Chris Gates. We've already got that one in the books. Had a really nice time uh, talking to him. Um, as you'll hear me uh, mention at the beginning of the interview, um, for the first um, several times we've spoken to Chris, we've been doing so transcontinentally, uh, you know, with us here in the States and him all the way out there in Germany because uh, he's one of our uh, brave... Uh, man in uniform in the in the military he's actually now home in the states um so it's uh you know a lot easier for us to get together and and talk than it was before trying to consider a uh six or seven hour time difference uh trying to figure out how to how to make that work and uh you know which one of us is going to be sacrificing a little bit of sleep so that we can get these conversations done so uh not having to worry about that at all was a really nice uh really nice obstacle to be able to clear this time around and we had a lot of fun talking about the uh talking about the vikings and uh what went wrong in 2016 and what to look forward to in in 2017 we, we talk about it quite a bit especially towards the end of the interview about how this is a team that's pretty much under the radar at the moment like they very much could be and i make the uh, uh comparison a couple of times they could be this year's atlanta falcons um not saying they're going to go all the way to the super bowl but they mirror images of each other. A talented football team got off to a fast start. You know, both the the Falcons went five and zero to start 2015. Went three and eight the rest of the way to finish at 500. The Vikings did the exact same thing last year. Five and zero start, three and eight to finish. Pretty much bringing back the same team with some added pieces that, in many people's eyes, make them better. But at the moment, everyone's got them slotted at number three in the division, and that could be a mistake. You know, when, when I get the, the thing together and do the picks that stick show, Minnesota's going to be a team that comes into heavy consideration, uh, at least for a division title, if not a playoff spot, for sure. I mean, this, you know, there's a lot going on in Minnesota. Yeah, maybe they lost Adrian Peterson, but they've basically been playing without him for the last three seasons. I mean, he had a hell of a year in 2015, but he only played one game in 2014 and almost no, you know, played like two and a half games in 2016. And, uh, you know, we're eight and eight without him uh, last season. So they've made improvements to the offensive line. The defense is still the strength of the team. Uh, Bradford's year number two in this system uh, uh, and so on. And they've added Latavius Murray and uh, um, Dalvin Cook, the running back from Florida State in the draft 
to replace uh, Peterson with. So keep your eyes on the Vikings in, in 2017, or, or at least don't sleep on them. Anyway, don't be surprised if they uh, they come out like gangbusters uh, this year. So um, anyway, we'll uh, hopefully I didn't give. Oh, the, hopefully that wasn't like one of those uh, one of the movie trailers where you feel like you've seen the whole movie. So please stick around for the interview. I, I promise. There, uh, you know, we talk about fun stuff. So uh, anyway, um, you know, it's um, I, I I've been uh, been having such a great time. Uh, doing these shows, um, you know, interviewing the different people. And the real reason that I like doing it so much is because it gives me a chance to talk to people who are passionate, as passionate about their team as we are about ours, you know, and that's an interesting conversation to have, you know, because when you talk to me, one of the, one of the things that I enjoy hearing from you guys when you give me feedback on my show is that there's no doubt in anyone's mind that I love this team. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that I want them to succeed and, and everything else, but I'm not a homer to the point where I drink the Kool-Aid on every single thing that they do. And, and you know, it basically is like me doing my own way of trying to keep the team honest. It's like, oh, Jay Cutler's the quarterback, you got it, you know, or anything like that. It's like, eh, I don't think maybe it's time to move on from, from Jay or, you know, like with, when it came time with Lovey, uh, you know, I wasn't a fan of the move, but it's, you know, like, yeah, it's probably time for it to happen. And obviously this offseason, not happy with basically anything the Bears did uh, in the offseason. Uh, they didn't get the people I feel we, we could have gotten our, our hands on in free agency or the draft. And uh, it's one of those, you know, they're going to have to prove me wrong type situations where, um, you know, they show me that they were right because right now all I see is wrong. So... Uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm, uh, my optimism is low as far as, uh, what to expect from this team, because I'm not happy with what we did in the off season. It won't stop me for one second from cheering, uh, when they do succeed or, or cheering them to succeed period, uh, or anything like that. That's definitely, I, I don't want to spend my Sundays watching them lose 13 out of 16 games again, uh, this year. I want to see them win and I want to see them win all the time, no matter who we're playing. But, um, you know, you also have to be honest with yourself about what we can expect from this team when they take the field starting in September uh, of this year. So, um, you know, I, but like I said, I, I do enjoy these conversations because of that. And I enjoy especially talking to our next three guests, Chris Gates, Jeremy Reisman, uh, you know, Evan Western. Despite their allegiances, these are probably my favorite guests to have uh, on the show. And, and I think maybe it has something to do with the, the mutual uh, respect for the shared history that our teams have with each other. I mean, even the Vikings are the young team in the division, and they've been around for 50, 50 51 seasons now. 66 is their first year uh, in the league. So, I mean, um, actually, it's probably before then, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, they've been around forever, um, you know, a lot longer than, than most teams but not as long as the Packers and the Lions and the Bears who were, you know, charter NFL members kind of thing. So, I mean, the Bears and the Packers for sure, um, you know. So, I mean, you hear it all the time with uh, the amount of, like, I think the Bears have played the Lions more than they've played Green Bay. But, you know, these are all teams that were here from the inception of pro football uh, with the Vikings sprinkled in about 30 years after the beginning of the uh, of the league. So, it's... Uh, 
you know, maybe it, like I said, maybe it's a mutual respect for the shared history that our teams have, or, you know, just, uh, you know, also nice finding out that, uh, a fan of your rival is not a dick. That's always nice. So, you know, cause especially with the, the, the Packer fans that I've been surrounded with in the workforce, uh, from time to time, uh, I'm not a big fan of most Packer fans, but I like Evan Western, uh, despite it all. Same thing with Jeremy Reisman. You guys know how much I hate the Lions, but, uh, you know, I like talking to him uh, and talking to him about his team. So that's one of the big things that I like most about doing these shows is the shared passion that we have with all of our guests. You know, you, you know, I know you can't fathom it. Why would anybody be passionate about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? But after talking to Brent and, and Ren about him, you know, you get it. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. You love this team. And, you know, just like I love mine, because I'm sure that there are people out there can't imagine why anyone would be a fan of the Chicago Bears, especially the last five years or so. But it's it's there. So there it is. So uh, I'm not going to dive into anything as far as news and notes are concerned. Just one quick article that I read uh, from SI.com talking about who the leading candidate to be the the leading rusher in the NFL would be. And uh, this particular author, who is uh, Jonathan Jones from SI.com, picked Jordan Howard. He said, Jordan Howard is my uh, leading candidate. And he had an interesting, it was like kind of a three-paragraph synopsis of why he thought. The last one is what I thought was most interesting. He's like, with the Bears uh, finally moving on from Jake Cutler, the passing game should demand more respect in 2017. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, number one, we have Mike Glennon or Trubisky back there. So a rookie or a reject. And we have no one, virtually anyone, to throw the football to or anything like that. So I don't know where it is our respect is going to come in. But he says, uh, you know, with, with Glennon or Trubisky at the helm, which in turn will give Howard fewer defenders in the box. And with another year under his belt, Howard is my favorite to win the rushing title. Um I, I like I said I don't know if I agree with his his rationale or his thinking as far as uh, how it you know how it is he thinks Howard should win the rushing title with the whole uh, defenders backing off the line of scrimmage because they respect Mike Glennon or Trubisky and their passing weapons. Um, I'm not seeing how that uh, is uh, a thing at this point. But hey, that's why that guy thinks uh, Jordan Howard's going to win the rushing title. I'm not going to argue with him. So. Uh, I, I too think that uh, Jordan Howard could be very special and this is going to be a big year for him. Cause you know, as they, as they say, the biggest leap most football players make is from year one to year two. And uh, this will be a very important year. Number two for Jordan Howard coming in as the starter from day one, as opposed to the guy that kind of fell into the job and never let it go. So uh, we'll see how he approaches that mentally and, and how it translates on the field uh, physically. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it for our mini news and notes section and my uh, my shared reasoning for why it is I love doing these opponent preview episodes. Also, the other thing is it helps the summer go by really fast. And, uh, you know, like I started this at the like Memorial Day weekend and here we are. It's it's early July. And, um, you know, by the time we get done with with Jeremy and and um, and Evan, by the end of Next week, it's mid-July, and we're less than two weeks away from training camp getting started. And before you know it, I'll be back reviewing week one of the preseason with the Bears and the Broncos. So, uh, 
yeah, it's uh, it helps the it helps the summer go by really fast because I'm cranking these shows out every three or four days. I'm talking to somebody else, or I spend my time you know studying and reading up so I can you know interview my subjects and so on and so forth. So this time of the year that I hate so much and have pretty much my whole life because I just can't stand the heat um, goes by really quickly when I busy myself with these uh, with these shows. So. Uh, Anyway, that's going to do it for, uh, for me, so we're going to move on uh, and welcome our guest Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman to help preview the 2017 Minnesota Vikings. And as we finally enter our home division, this is the eleventh episode in this journey of uh, previewing on all of our opponents. Despite their allegiances, the next three guests that I have are my favorite people to have on the show. And first up to help us preview the Minnesota Vikings uh, from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation, Chris Gates. Chris, welcome back to the show. Happy to be back, Larry. Happy to be back. And I understand we're welcoming you back home to the States as well. We don't have an eight-hour time difference between us with me here in the States and you in Germany anymore. No, that's always nice. I don't have to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning to, right. to get this sort of thing knocked out anymore, which is which is nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was okay, but you know, it's nice to do it at you know, a normal time. Absolutely, absolutely. Welcome home. So, um, you know, 2016 was such an up-and-down year i mean i guess you can call it like the the year started down then the season started and things were up looking up like hey we're probably going to be okay and then the majority in the second half of the season kind of and you know the the season kind of fell apart on you the down that we're talking with at the beginning would of course be you know the vikings were poised to be a team that were looked upon to make a challenge not just in the nfc north with the packers but the nfc period and then the Teddy Bridgewater injury happens. The Vikings scramble. They make the Sam Bradford trade, which no one, including myself, thought was a good idea at the time, considering Bradford's own injury issues. And then, just like that, the season begins. And before you know it, the Vikings go into their bye at week number six with a 5-0 and record. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really weird. I mean, the, the whole thing with Bridgewater, obviously... It came as a huge shock to everybody. I mean, right. you're just kind of minding your own business and looking for news on what's going on at practice, and all of a sudden you get the news that there's a ambulance headed to Winter Park to take Teddy Bridgewater to the hospital, and you know you're trying to figure out what's going on. And you know there were the reports of you know guys like throwing up on the field right, after yeah. what happened, water, and you know so there was that. And then yeah, it took a few days, and you know the. The Bradford trade completely came out of nowhere, and you know people were skeptical about that. And then, like you said, there was the five and zero start, and after that, uh, things just kind of collapsed as they are wont to do with the Vikings in general. Yeah, I mean, and that was the thing. It, it was quite a shock for the for it to happen the way that it did because you had you know five really good victories over decent football teams to start the year. You had the win over. Tennessee then the Packers on national television was kind of like your coming out party with your you know debuting the brand new stadium and the whole nine yards you go to Carolina defeat the NFC champions uh you beat the Giants on Monday Night Football and then wrap things up by beating the Texans uh quite handily 
at home. You go into the bye week. The defense looks great. Sam Bradford is holding up well. You know, everything seems to be coming up roses for Minnesota. Then after the bye, a four-game losing streak that starts with a loss on the road to Philadelphia and then a very public uh, loss to the Bears, no less, on Monday night uh, football that that really, I, not even Bear fans saw that one coming, at least not to win the game the, the way the Bears did, dominating on the run, on the uh, dominating on, on with the run, I should say. You know, Jordan Howard almost 200 yards rushing in that game, and you know to run it down Minnesota's throat like that, it was quite a quite a shock. You know, like I said, even to Bears fans to watch it go down the way it did. And, and you know, it's one of those things. I mean, most years it doesn't matter how good the Bears are or how bad the Vikings are, vice versa. True. Yeah. The Bears, the Bears are always going to find a way to at least give Minnesota a hard time at Soldier Field, if not win outright. Right. I mean, I know there's the Bears won three games last season, and sure enough, uh, one of them came against Minnesota at Soldier Field on Maybe. Monday night. That's just the way things generally go between these two teams. So, you know, it, it, was, it was strange to see that. I mean, you expect, to, you expect it to be close, but, yeah, like you said, you don't expect Jordan Howard to – run for almost 200 yards and for the bears just to crush the vikings the way they did that yeah. night but you know that that's the way it played out yeah it was it was uh it was fun obviously for bear fans to see that i mean we were one in <laughs> one in five or one in something like that going into the going into that game and here the vikings are you know they, they had that loss at philadelphia they're still regarded as one of the best teams in the league, a lot of Bear fans, you know, if they're being honest with themselves, we're expecting the Vikings to destroy the Bears on Monday Night Football, if for no other reason than to, you know, than being angry about losing the week before to Philadelphia. Never mind the rivalry and all that kind of stuff, division game and uh, and whatnot. Or we expected, you know, Minnesota to beat them down just based on the way that they handled everybody else those first five weeks of the uh, of the season. So. You know, but again, the the Bears' loss was the second out of four. Uh, the followed by uh, overtime loss to the Lions, and then finally a a loss at Washington before finally getting a victory over the Cardinals. You know, so what what in that four game span really kind of changed as as opposed to what happened in the first five weeks that that you know stark contrast in the, the weeks that followed. I think opposing teams finally realized that the Vikings just couldn't run the football and couldn't block anybody in the passing game because, you know, they finished for the entire season with the worst uh, run offense in football. I think it was close to being the worst run offense in Vikings history in terms of uh, yardage in a 16-game season. And, you know, People complain that, you know, Sam Bradford doesn't throw anything but short passes and checks down and this and that and the other, but the offensive line was so terrible for most of the season that that was really just about the only thing he had time to do. I Matt Khalil got hurt in the Week 2 game and wound up going on injured reserve, which meant TJ Clemming starting at left tackle, and he was just a disaster for 14 games. and Well, 13 games because I think he sat out the uh, the season finale against the Bears, but he was just awful. And, you know, it wasn't so much the fact that Adrian Peterson was gone as well because the running game wasn't doing anything when he was in there either. Right. But, you know, they, they couldn't run the football and they couldn't block pass rushers. And in the National Football League, that's not a recipe for success. And 
you know, like you said, they had that five and zero start and they finished three and eight, and just it was just relatively ugly after that first five game winning streak. Yeah, after after the five game, you know, five and zero start, um, you know, the, the the only decent team that you got a victory over was Arizona, uh, and even they were a, a below five hundred team uh, last year. But your other victories were against Jacksonville. Uh, and against the Chicago uh, Bears to close out the uh, year. And the offensive line was something that we talked about when we were previewing that Week 17 game. And, and the thing that, we, that you know, was the point of why we brought it up was that one of the reasons that I thought the Sam Bradford trade was going to be an absolute disaster was because Sam Bradford, in his time in the NFL, even in 2015 uh, before, was a paper doll. The guy was constantly hurt for one reason or another, but here it is, you know, last year, probably one of the worst offensive lines in football, as far as protecting your runner and your passer and Sam Bradford held up for all 16 games. He he did. And that was, that was a huge surprise, but I mean, he still got sacked 37 times. And if not for the type of offense, the Vikings transitioned into after Norv Turner left with the more short controlled passing game, it probably would have been a lot more, but you know, like I said, they we saw that the biggest example of that was the Thanksgiving Day game in uh, Detroit where, you know, they threw so many short passes, so many short of the sticks on third down. And, you know, like I said, that's really just about all Bradford had time to do. Uh, there were stats that came out that said when he actually had time to throw deeper passes, he was really, really good. Mm. But, you know if he doesn't have time for plays to actually develop or anything like that. And, you know, play action obviously doesn't work because there's no threat of a running game there. Uh, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to throw the longer passes and you have to settle for the shorter stuff. Right. So as the, you know, as you close out the year, you know, after that win against the Cardinals, two really tight losses uh, on that back-to-back Thursday schedule that the NFL has done the last couple of years, basically whoever plays on Thanksgiving plays again the following uh, Thursday, a, a, a close loss to the Lions on Thanksgiving, then an, then an even tighter loss to the Cowboys the following Thursday before the win against uh, Jacksonville, um, you know, to kind of get things back in, in order. Then a big loss to Indianapolis, another loss to Green Bay before closing out the win with a, well, we'll call it an embarrassing loss for us because it was, it was just a disaster for the Bears. I mean, Matt Barkley really became a turnover machine uh, in that one, and um, you know, about the only thing positive that happened in the game was Jordan Howard broke the rookie rushing record uh, in that one. But uh, you know, the 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 win, however, though, gets you off on a positive note, gets you back to five hundred. Uh, you were five and three at home in in the brand new building, and you know, the defense, you know, really kind of went back to the to the five and zero oh start form in that last game, even though it was against the Bears. Yeah, they did. I mean, I think a lot of what happened to the defense stems from the fact that, you know, like we talked about, the offense is throwing a lot of short passes. They can't sustain drives. They can't give the defense any opportunity to rest. And, I mean, I can imagine toward the end of the year, uh, those guys were just gassed a lot of the time because they were probably playing 35, 36, however many minutes a game because the offense just wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to. And, you know, hopefully that's something that they've remedied uh, going forward into this season. Well, looking ahead into uh, free agency, um, we talked about issues with the offensive line. Two of the bigger signings uh, 
uh, on the free agency board. Um, well, actually, well, let's we'll just call three of them address the running game in one fashion or another. Riley Reef signed away from the Lions is now a, a Minnesota Viking. Mike Remmers signed away from the Panthers, and then Latavius Murray signed away from Oakland to replace Adrian Peterson in the backfield. Yeah, and you know when we got into the offseason, everyone knew that the offensive line was Minnesota's biggest weakness, and there were a few names out there that were, you know, super intriguing. I mean, you had guys like Ricky Wagner, mm-hmm. uh, guys like Andrew Whitworth, and you know, Reef and Remmers might not have been at the top of everyone's radar, but. You know, when the dust settled, those were the two guys that the Vikings wound up with. And, you know, they're not superstars or anything, but, man, they've got to be better than (laughs) T.J. Clemmings and whatever warm body we were throwing out there at right tackle for most of last season. Because, you know, I know pro football focus isn't like the gospel or anything, but, you know, they, on their scale, uh, Reef and Remmers graded out you know, not the superstar level, but, you know, they were above average for the most part. And, you know, we don't expect the line to be on the same level as, like, Dallas or whoever straight away. But, you know, you have to take the steps to get there. And I think signing Reef and Remmers to bookend the offensive line is probably the first step towards making that happen. And then, you know, um, Latavius Murray coming in and officially ending the Adrian Peterson era uh, in Minnesota, which for the most part was a monumentous uh, success, but also a move that was kind of a couple years uh, in the making. I mean, I remember the first time that we spoke back in 2015, I was praising the Minnesota front office for uh, not playing chicken with Adrian Peterson because he was talking about holding out and, you know, so on and so forth. They did nothing, and Adrian Peterson ended up folding in and showing up to play uh, football that year. So, um, but, you know, he's finally out the door. He's in. New Orleans, which is something interesting we'll talk about uh, towards the end of the show. And, you know, Latavius Murray is the the new running back for the Vikings. Yep, and, you know, people are wondering how the team's going to function without Peterson and what have you. But, I mean, Peterson's basically missed two of the last three seasons. Yeah, Uh, He only played one game in 2014 because of the incident that happened with his child. Sure. Uh, He played all of 2015, led the league in rushing, and then last year, uh, played about the first seven quarters before he got hurt. Uh, tried to come back late in the season in the Indianapolis game, and that didn't work out either. So, I mean, he's essentially missed two out of the last three years. And, you know, we've been over Peterson's limitations a number of times. I mean, he's still he's been in the league for 10 years. He still can't pass block anybody. Uh, he doesn't run well out of the shotgun. He basically is still an I-formation straight-ahead running back. And in today's NFL, and particularly with the type of offense that Pat Shermer wants to install and run in Minnesota, a back like that just doesn't fit. And now uh, Latavius Murray comes in. I mean, Grant, he's not prime years Adrian Peterson, but nobody is. But he does have the ability. He grades out very well as a pass blocker when he's asked to do so. Uh, He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's pretty much money in short yardage situations from everything I've seen from him. So, I mean, he's not necessarily a talent upgrade or anything like that, but for what the Vikings want to do going forward, I think he's definitely a better fit for this offense than Adrian Peterson would have been if they would have kept him around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, was, I was very intrigued by, by that signing when, when Murray came on board uh, for, the, uh, for the Vikings. So, um, you know, another interesting move 
was um, the Vikings signing Case Keenum uh, to come in and, and be a uh, backup uh, quarterback. And, um, you know, with the Teddy Bridgewater situation, I mean, I think it, it's pretty much determined he's not – obviously he's not going to play in 2017. And, and uh, you know, any idea on how far along – Bridgewater is. Is there optimism that he might ever play again? Uh, there's a lot of optimism in Viking land, actually. I mean, they they put some video out during the uh, organized team activities of him actually dropping back and throwing passes during uh, during practices and whatnot. Good. And, you know, you can't, you can't really get a whole lot out of 15 or 20 seconds of slow motion video or anything like that, but right. you know, given that it's been a little less than a year now since his leg basically fell apart and you know now he's he's out on the field in the helmet in the shorts in the red jersey throwing passes uh, apparently he's working out with uh, I think I saw something on the uh, on social media where he's currently down working now with uh, Stefan Diggs and Jarvis Landry down in Miami so I mean there there might be something there. We don't know how much is there yet, but you know, the Vikings signed Case Keenum, like you said, as insurance because obviously you can't depend on Bridgewater coming back and right. you know, if he starts out on the physically unable to perform list, which is something we've looked at a little bit, apparently based on the language of the uh, the CBA, if he starts out on the physically unable to perform list and goes into the regular season, on that list and misses the first six weeks apparently his contract is going to roll over into next season and he would be guaranteed to be under vikings control next year so that's something we'll have to uh keep an eye on well that is that is interesting because obviously they declined to pick up his his fifth year option but that would still carry it would carry over into another year if he basically started a second season on injured reserve or the the pup list the, the language from the cba says that if a player is physically unable to perform for the first six games of the regular season his contract will toll which is legal parlance for rolling over into the next season and if you start the regular season on the uh, physically unable to perform list by the rules of the league, you have to sit out the first six weeks. Right. So if they get through training camp and he's still on, I expect him to start camp on the physically unable to perform list at the very least. Uh-huh. And then once they get into the regular season, if he's still on that list, then he's not going to be able to come back until at least week seven anyway. And at that point, uh, based on the interpretations of the CBA that I've seen from just about everybody, uh, his contract would toll or roll over into next year. Uh, I don't know if that means they'd get another shot at the fifth-year option or if that just means he would be under team control for the uh, 2018 season as well. But, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, been, a, been a topic of discussion around uh, Viking land so far. Interesting. So it would almost be like he was a, a later-round pick where he would be a restricted free agent as opposed to uh, you know, an out-and-out free agent that can sign with anybody kind of thing and I mean that's or at least that's how it kind of plays in, in my head because I don't know how you know because you still got to pay him if he's going to be on the team but his contract yeah. rolls over into the next season it's I don't understand how that how that works I, but uh from my, from my understanding his salary would be the same for 2018 as it is this season okay so yeah so he'd still be 
fairly cheap. Uh, and yeah, it would give the Vikings more opportunity to get him healthy yeah. and see where they are with him and that sort of thing. Because th- this is the last year of Bradford's contract too. Right. And so, you know, they, they could wind up not having either of these guys at quarterback next season, which would be a complete disaster. But I don't think the Vikings are going to allow that to happen. And also, I mean, I, I guess on the, the brighter side of things, as far as that thinking is concerned, next year is supposed to be the, the year of the quarterback in the draft uh, anyway. So if there was ever a time to be in search of a quarterback, next year would be the year to do it. Or at least that's what the rumors say anyway. Yeah. But hopefully the Vikings aren't anywhere near in a position to <laughs> right. take any of those. Because I've seen a few early, and I don't know why people are doing mock drafts this early already. Yeah, but I don't either. There are mock drafts that I've seen where the first three picks are quarterbacks, and you know these guys are like generational type of players. But I, I don't want the Vikings looking at a top three pick next season, and I don't think they're going to be, regardless of who's the quarterback for them going sure. forward. So on the free agency law side, Chad Greenway, he goes and, and retires. Uh, Cordero Patterson signed with the Raiders and Adrian Peterson off to uh, New Orleans. And then um, Captain Munnerlin, uh, Matt Khalil, Charles Johnson all went to Carolina uh, for some reason. Everybody wants to go to Carolina, I guess, to get away from the Minnesota winters or something. But, uh, you know, anyone on that list that you were especially sad to see go? I think the biggest loss out of that group could wind up being Munnerlin, mm. uh, just because he was such a good slot corner. He he was in Minnesota for three years, and the first year he didn't look great, and then after the season he basically admitted that he was freelancing more than he probably should have been. And you know he came around in 2015 and 2016, and it was actually really good uh, as a slot corner, and is graded out really well in that area. Yeah, and and how much the Vikings are impacted by his loss depends on what they're going to do otherwise uh, as far as the slot corner position is concerned uh, we don't know if Terrence Newman is going to wind up in that spot we don't know if Mackenzie Alexander who they took in the second round in 2016 and had a rough go of it as a rookie and the few opportunities he got to play but uh, we don't know if he's going to be ready to take that spot yet Uh, we think they're set on the outside with uh, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes but you know, the slot corner position is going to be a, uh, a little bit of a contentious proposition. And I think, you know, like I said, that's where we're going to see uh, Munnerland potentially being the biggest loss out of all of those uh, players that you mentioned. So moving on to the uh, onto the draft, obviously you don't have a first-round pick. You gave that to Philadelphia to get your hands on Sam Bradford, ultimately a draft choice that worked out for you. Uh, as far as Bradford being healthy for all 16 games, despite what many people, including myself, thought was going to to happen uh, to him. Um, But in the second round, at spot number 41, a guy that wasn't supposed to be there was uh, ripe for the picking. The Vikings uh, end up with Dalvin Cook, the running back from Florida State, who many had projected to go in the mid-first-round area. Yeah, and it was a complete shock to see uh, Cook at that spot. I mean, we did draft previews of the various positions and whatever we did the running back preview and I didn't even bother throwing Dalvin Cook into our uh, running back draft preview because I just assumed that at the 48th overall pick which is where the Vikings were at the time that 
there was no chance that he was going to be there. I mean, there were drafts that had him going at number 19 to Tampa Bay. Right. Uh, apparently Green Bay was looking at him. Uh, any number of teams were looking at him, but you know he wound up at number 41, and they made the deal to move up with Cincinnati and you know get their hands on him. And I, I think he's going to be a huge steal uh, for where he was drafted, you know, relative to where he probably should have been in his level of talent. Well, I mean, you go from, you know, Adrian Peterson, who can't keep himself uh, healthy and, and, and on the field. I mean, elite though he may be, uh, you're not elite when you're on the bench, uh, to, to having Latavius Murray, who is who had a, a great year last year with Oakland and one of the, one of the hotter running back prospects uh, outside of, um, um, what's his name from LSU? Leonard Fournette. Thank you. Leonard Fournette. You know, Dalvin Cook was arguably the number two running back on the board last year. So you got Murray and Cook now uh, to to make up for the loss that is Adrian Peterson. Yep. And, you know, like I said, when we talked about Peterson earlier, both uh, Murray and Cook and Jarek McKinnon, who's still going to figure in a little bit as well, uh, they all have the sort of skill sets that, you know, for lack of a better term, 21st century NFL offenses uh, require running backs to have where, you know, they can pick up pass rushers if they're asked to stay in and block or they can catch passes or they can do those sorts of things and run out of various formations. And, you know, a lot of people are not thrilled that Adrian Peterson's gone, but, you know, like you said earlier, it was probably time for them to move on from him, especially for the uh, level of salary he was going to command if the Vikings hadn't uh, parted ways with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, th- this is going to be a, a different offense going forward, to be sure. And uh, I think that both Cook and Murray are going to be a huge part of it. And then the third round, um, Pack Elfline from uh, Ohio State. Is he going to be a starter for you guys? He's going to contend for a spot and maybe move him over to guard. And what are the plans for him? I would be surprised if he wasn't a starter. I mean, at this point, uh, Joe Berger started at center last season for the Vikings, but it appears that they've pushed him over to right guard. Uh, And the center battle so far during the OTAs has been between uh, Elfline and Nick Easton, uh, who the Vikings traded for a couple years ago as part of the Gerald Hodges trade and got some time at center last season when Berger was hurt. But, you know, I, I don't think the Vikings traded up uh, in the third round to take Elf line to have him sitting on the bench. And, you know, like you said, he could, he started at center for Ohio state. He started at both guard spots uh, during his time at Ohio state. And I would be completely shocked if, you know, week one started and he wasn't uh, starting on the offensive line somewhere. So the Vikings movements were obviously non-existent day one, which is only the first round day two, you come away with, you know, a, a surprise in, in Dalvin cook you make the trade to move up to take Pat Elfline uh, in the third round. And then day three, you had, what, two, four, so what, eight eight picks, seven picks? Day three, you had uh, two, two fourth rounders, two fifths, a sixth, and four seventh round picks. I mean, any, any gems on the list uh, out of that batch? One guy I'm probably way too excited and way too happy about is uh, Bucky Hodges the uh, tight end that they got out of Virginia Tech in the sixth round. Um, you know, if, like I said in the uh, the preview for us for our 
tight ends or for the tight end position when we were getting ready for the draft. If you want a tight end that can block anybody, uh, Hodges is not it, uh, just because they didn't really ask him to do that much at Virginia Tech. But you know, the guy's six foot seven. He weighs two hundred and sixty pounds. Uh, he had a thirty-nine inch vertical leap at the scouting combine, and I mean, for a team that had as many issues. Uh, inside the 20 as the Vikings had last year uh, it's hard to imagine him not having a significant impact right away um, and you know the the tight end spot now that Red Ellison has left town uh, it's basically Kyle Rudolph and David Morgan and he should have an opportunity if he uh, if he can make an impression in the preseason uh, I think he's going to be a uh, a big part of this Vikings offense going forward just because of his size and his ability to create mismatches with it. Um, so anyone in in that four, that batch of four uh, seventh rounders that you might see making a, you know, maybe a special teams help or somebody that might actually uh, surprise people and, and make the field. Of the seventh rounders, I think the one to keep an eye on is Elijah Lee, uh, the linebacker out of Kansas state. Uh, he kind of projects as the same sort of weak side linebacker that uh, Chad Greenway uh, was. Uh, he's a little undersized for the linebacker position, but uh, he's apparently very good in coverage and you know has no problem keeping up with running backs and tight ends. And yeah, I think of the four uh, seventh round selections, if any of them are going to make an impact this season, uh, I think he would end up being the guy. So we move on to the 2017 um, schedule, and uh, what we alluded to earlier as far as Peterson and being in the Saints is that's how you start off the year this year. Monday Night Football uh, in Minnesota, uh, Adrian Peterson and the Saints come into uh, come into town, so you get that exchange out of the way right off the uh, right off the bat. You know, how do you think the Peterson's going to be received when he comes to uh, Minnesota for the first time? I, I think if he gets like the individual introduction, if the Saints introduce their offense or whatever, or the first couple times he touches the ball, uh, I I think he'll get more cheers than boos. Sure. But you know, as the game goes on, there people are going to realize, hey, we don't, you know, he's not one of us anymore, right. and you know, we'll act accordingly. I think. Okay, and then um, at Pittsburgh uh, for week number two. Home for Tampa and Detroit, then at Chicago on Monday Night Football again, and um, I wouldn't again. hate. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it if it went the way it did last year. To I mean, just you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to be struggling for victories this year again. I think. Uh, I think we'll. I think we'll play better, but I don't know if we'll we'll win as many games, uh, or we'll hope we do at least. Well, if there's a game where Mike Glennon is going to throw for 350 yards and four <laughs> touchdowns, that's that's going to be the game because, you know, like we said earlier, that's just the way these things go at Soldier Field for us. Right. Um, then um, home for Green Bay and Baltimore, then at Cleveland in the U.K. Um, is this the first trip to the U.K. for the Vikings, or have they been out there before since this whole thing started? They were out there in 2013. They were okay. actually the home team. Yeah, they were there in 2013. That was the last year of the Metrodome, and they actually hosted the Steelers out there. And uh, and yeah, they came away with a victory that year. Okay, uh, this team yep. this time they'll be the the road team um, playing the Browns over in the UK before the the Week Nine bye. Dead set in the middle of the season, same as the uh, same as the Bears actually, also with the uh, the Week Nine bye. So 
you know, looking at the first half of the uh, schedule is actually very similar to what the Bears are facing. I mean, even the the same teams uh, as well: Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. Um, we don't play Detroit until the second half, but you got you know Green Bay and Baltimore. Uh, you know, in there, it's um, you know, it's 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 not that daunting of a first half schedule for you guys. No, it's really not. I mean, obviously, the game at Pittsburgh is probably, at least on paper, the toughest game on the first half of the schedule. I mean, we know the the Packers are going to be solid again, but uh, of the two teams, and considering that it's on the road, uh, I do think that the game against the Steelers is the uh, toughest game in the first half of the Vikings' schedule. And like you said, it's not that tough a first-half schedule uh, which is good because the second half of the schedule appears to be significantly more difficult uh, than the first half is. Uh, yeah, because playing on playing on the road in, in some very tough uh, destinations, you kick it off at the second half at Washington. You're home for the the Rams, who are easily one of the most schizophrenic teams in football. <laughs> I mean, they can you know come out and just absolutely dominate you with the defense and completely shut you down and then the week later give up 45 points regardless of location they'll do it at home they'll do it on the road i mean it, you, you really just don't know what you're going to get out of the rams especially this year with the brand new head coach uh who who just learned how to shave um you know that's how young that guy is and um you know so i mean that's the home game then is it thanksgiving again you're playing detroit because i could never it, it is thanksgiving at detroit again and that touches off what i think is the toughest stretch of the schedule with right. the the three straight road games yeah at detroit for thanksgiving you don't have to do the back-to-back thursday thing you get the the mini buy as they as they call it but you're at atlanta the defending nfc champion then at carolina it do you know or do you think that'll be one of those back-to-back road trips where the vikings stay on the road instead of coming back home uh i'm not sure about that i'd have to look and see how they handle those sorts of trips in the past um i'd be surprised if they didn't come back to minnesota i mean the the time difference is only about an hour or so and you know it's not like minneapolis to charlotte is a huge flight or anything but you know that that's uh that's something that i hadn't actually thought of but you know it's a that's a good question i would have to like i said do some research to see how they've handled those sorts of things in the past yeah, because the Atlanta and Carolina, or Charlotte, I should say, not that far uh, from each other, considering the time of year, maybe give the guys the break from the, you know, especially that time of year in Minnesota. The winter's pretty <laughs> pretty horrible that time of year, especially up there uh, in, in, in Minnesota. You know, use it as a bonding opportunity for that late stretch of the uh, season. It's kind of the thing that, that teams do now when they have those, those close uh, road games, you know, back-to-back like that is they'll basically you know steal a university uh practice facility for a week while they you know while the team uh you know hangs out instead of going back uh home it's almost like another mini you know training camp getting ready for the uh for the game and then the um the last three games home for cincinnati at green bay on saturday night and then for the second year in a row and like the third or fourth time in the last five years home for the bears to finish out the uh, finish out the season, and you know, I really thought they were going to make the Vikings travel to Chicago for the for the season finale because you know since they went to this divisional format, uh, the Vikings have hosted the Bears, they've hosted the Packers, they've hosted the Lions, and they've gone to uh, Detroit and Green Bay. 
but they have not yet had to go to Chicago uh, for the regular season finale. And like you said, uh, the Bears came to Minnesota for the last game in 2014 at TCF Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were there for the last game last season at U.S. Bank, and they're going to be there for the last game this season. I mean, eventually the Vikings are going to have to go to Soldier Field on January 1st or 2nd or whatever and right. play that last game there. But for some reason, the National Football League just hasn't made them do it yet. So we're looking at at 2017. You know, how are the Vikings? How are you guys? How are you feeling about the Vikings this year? I mean, is it is it uh, you know? I mean, obviously there has to be some optimism. You know, the the new it, a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of new faces. You know, you've you've done uh, work to upgrade the offensive line. Adrian Peterson is gone, but you got two solid guys in there to to help replace him uh you know the defense should pretty much pick up from where it left off you know uh, how are you feeling about the 2017 season i actually feel pretty good about this year and you know the guys on, on one of the minneapolis sports radio stations made an interesting point because you know at this time last year like you said earlier in the show uh, the Vikings were expected to not only be a contender in the NFC North, they were expected to be a contender in the NFC as a whole. And, you know, there there was all this optimism and all this excitement around this team. And, you know, this season, you could argue that they're a better football team because of the signings they've made on the offensive line and, and what have you. But the level of enthusiasm, for whatever reason, just doesn't seem to be there like it was last season. And, you know, I don't know if that's some of the hangover from the terrible finish and whatnot, but you know, with as bad as the Vikings finished last season and all the injuries and stuff they dealt with, they were a couple of bounces away from being eleven and five. I mean, they they could have easily won both the Detroit games. They could have won the game against the Cowboys on the Thursday night after Thanksgiving. Right. And you know, it's just that's just the way the NFL is. A bounce here and a bounce there changes a lot of things, but you know. The, the level of excitement as a whole might not be uh, where it was at this time last season, but like I said, you could really argue that the Vikings are a better football team uh, going into 2017 uh, than they were going into 2016. And, you know, I, I think this team, at the very least, is going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, but, yeah, it I, I don't understand why the excitement isn't at the same level it was last year because this is still a very good football team you know and i and i agree with you that kind of uh, was scratching my head when um you know i i get my nfl preview magazines every year and i'm looking at projected finishes and in the two that i bought this year both of them have um basically it's going to finish out the way that it did last year green bay is one detroit's two minnesota three the bears number uh, uh four and you know, the, like you said, the, the level of optimism for the Vikings isn't where it was uh, a year ago. And I don't know if that's you know, people are disappointed because they stuck their necks out, thinking that Minnesota was going to be that that team in, in 2016, and it didn't happen. Like so, they've you know, the shine is off the apple, uh, as they say, um, because they very much could be, in my opinion, a team like the uh, the Falcons. In 2015, they were the team that went 5-0. and They were the team that went 3-8 and down the stretch and really just kind of fell apart as the season went along. But then you see what happened to them in 2016. The bounces did go their way, and they ended up going to the 
Super Bowl. Now, I'm not saying Minnesota's going to the Super Bowl, but I'm saying that if Minnesota comes back and finishes 11-5, and five, I don't think anybody should be surprised that they do it. No, I don't think they should be either. I mean, I, I think this is at least a 10-win football team, and I think 10 wins probably gets them into the playoffs. I don't know if it gets them first place in the NFC North, but I think 10-6 and six, uh, gets them into the playoffs. And, you know, like we said, they the Vikings upgraded the offensive line. Uh, they have a different look at running back, which is going to help them. And if the defense isn't out there for 35 or 40 minutes a game, uh, they'll be able to stay fresher. Uh, they'll be able to look more like the first five weeks of the season and less like the way they did down the stretch. And there is a ton of talent on this football team. And it's just a matter of, you know, hopefully having better injury luck than they had last season and right. getting a couple bounces here and there to actually go the Vikings way. And, but yeah, I would think anything, I mean, eight and eight again would be a disappointment, but you know, like I said, I think this is a 10 or 11 win football team. And I think that that gets them back into the playoffs again this year. Yeah. I think for, for me, you know, when, uh, when, when I, you know, kind of break down the, the league as a whole, that's definitely going to be the one that's going to be under that. Don't take your eyes off this team, um, list, you know, with the defense, with the, you know, improved offensive line and the, the fresh blood uh, at the running back uh, position, you know, you don't really need much more in the NFL these days. I know it's a passing league uh, and whatnot, but two years ago we watched the Carolina Panthers run the football and dominate on defense all the way to a 15-1 record and, and, and a Super Bowl uh, appearance. So, you know, you don't have to sit here and tell me that you got to throw it all over the field like the Falcons did a year ago in order to make it to the uh, – to the playoffs running the football and playing good defense will still get you where you want to go it, it certainly will and you know once you get uh, later on in the playoffs uh, that's generally the sort of thing that wins football games so you know hopefully this team can get back on track uh, hopefully mike zimmer's health issues are finally behind him yeah uh, hopefully the soundings they've made this offseason have you know will do what they're anticipating them doing and you know like there, there's too much talent on the this football team for them to be an eight and eight or nine and seven team again i think yeah so what is the story with with zimmer hasn't he had like two or three more eye procedures since the season ended well he had the first one it was either the day after or two days after the game at soldier field uh, he started having issues i think it was since november 1st of last year he's had eight surgeries wow. on the eye and he had one not long after the draft, and the doctors told him, okay, uh, you need to go home and sit for two weeks. And just so he missed uh, OTAs, uh, the first set of OTAs after the draft, because the doctors basically ordered him uh, to go home for two weeks and not do anything. But, uh, you know, he was at the, uh, the mandatory minicamp, and apparently everything is going well. And, uh, he, he said the doctors would be surprised if he had any more issues with the eye again. So uh, hopefully, uh, like I said, hopefully that's behind him. Uh, apparently the thing they're most concerned about is that if you have, if uh, someone has that issue with one eye, uh, there's like a 20 or 25% chance they'll have the same issue with the other eye. What is the issue? Uh, he had some, it was something with his retina. I don't know if it was scratched or if it was a detached retina or what it hmm. was i think it might have just been scratched or something but okay. yeah they had 
there was some sort of a bubble that they placed on there to make it heal, and yeah, it, it was just bad. I mean, did he get like some uh, some turf residue in his eye or something? I mean, do you know how this whole thing got started? I I really don't know how it got started or uh-huh. when it started. Like I said, all I know is that it was either the day after or two days after the game at Soldier Field. He had uh, surgery number one. Uh, he missed that Thursday night game against the Cowboys right? Uh, because he had to have a surgery the night before, and Mike Prefer took over as coach for the one night. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't know how it started or how it came about or anything like that, but, yeah, he's just had a lot of surgeries and a lot of issues, but it sounds like hopefully that's all behind him now. So we touched upon Teddy Bridgewater earlier, so we want to wrap things up talking about him. Um is it is it more like a, a Jalen Smith situation, a linebacker with the Cowboys, where we're just wanting to make sure that the the nerve is is healing? Because I'm, sh- I mean, I think that was one of the the bigger issues with the injury itself was not only did he tear pretty much every ligament that he has in his knee, but he also damaged the nerve uh, in the knee uh, as well. Is is that the part that we're crossing our fingers for, as far as optimism for him healing? Well, what came out after the injury. Because, uh, you know, they, they didn't just take him to a regular hospital after the injury. They took him to a trauma center. Wow, yeah. The, uh, the training staff apparently got out on the field and set his leg or whatever. And what, everything that came out after it was over said that Bridgewater didn't actually have uh, any nerve damage. He just tore all the ligaments, but there was no nerve damage there. But, you know, with, with the way his, like I said, his, his leg basically fell apart. Yeah, and it's always scary, and there's no contact involved because, uh, from the story that came out, he basically took a snap, uh, took two steps back in his drop back, and went down like a ton of bricks without anybody touching him. Yeah, and you know, basically what it was from from what everyone said was that the ligaments all just tore, but there was no nerve damage. Mm. Now I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate or not, but that was the story that came out. But yeah, it, it sounds like he didn't actually have any nerve damage, and it might be more just a matter of him, you know, trying to get mobility back, trying to get confidence back in the uh, the leg after it was repaired. But, sure. you know, that that's obviously the big story uh, of the offseason for us, the big story going into camp, uh, seeing how he uh, reacts if he starts out on the physically unable to perform list. And if he doesn't, uh, we're going to have a pretty uh, pretty interesting training camp to uh, to say the least yeah for sure for sure so i mean i think with with an injury like that if there's no nerve damage and i'm you know like i said i was just asking if if that was uh because there were rumors about what nerve damage there was or if there was any and you know with with jalen smith you know he missed all of last season and he's looking better but still not any definitive um word on whether or not he'll play this year um because of it um, I was wondering if that was the boat that was going to keep Teddy Bridgewater out for a second uh, season or at the very least put him on the pup list for the first basically half uh, of the uh, of the schedule. So, um, you know, to, to hear it basically it, it, with an injury like that, I think the, the biggest challenge would probably be a, a mental one considering how the injury itself occurred. I mean, he's did, he did something that he's done a million times before and probably didn't do anything different but step just the right way in just the right spot for everything to happen the way it did. Yeah, and you know, like you said, the mental aspect of this whole thing has got to be the toughest for him because you know 
he he played the first three preseason games last year, but you know since then he hasn't lined up behind center. He hasn't looked at coverages. He hasn't faced pass rushers. I mean, he's basically. And we've seen a couple of videos of him doing like agility drills and, like I said earlier, dropping back and throwing passes and that sort of thing. But that's different from having angry 300-pound men chasing after <laughs> you and trying to tear you into pieces. So we'll, we'll have to see how he reacts to this whole thing. It, it's going to be interesting. Definitely, definitely. And looking forward to uh, to seeing how it does all unfold, um, you know, Seeing if, if uh, for the second year in a row, can the Vikings be this year's Atlanta Falcons? Because going into the year, the Falcons were 5-0. and Everything was great, and then they finished 3-8, and and everyone was like, what the hell happened? Then it happens to the Vikings. They were supposed to be one of those teams that makes a challenge, supposed to make a run, the 5-0 and start. Oh, look how gen- well, you know, we're all geniuses. Then 3-8 and to finish the way, what the hell happened, you know, kind of thing. And, you know... They're as good, if not better, than they were the year before, but nobody is. They're basically in a position that if the Vikings make a run, everyone's going to act like they never saw it coming. And uh, I think that that is a mistake uh, for this team because, like you said, there's too much talent on the roster for them to be ignored the way that they are, and which is why I'm upset that we play in the same division with you guys. Uh, so we get to, get to see that up close and personal twice uh, this season. So... Um, you know, Dev, like I said, when when I break down the season and, and make my predictions, the Vikings are definitely going to be one of those teams that you have to keep your your eye on because I think they're they're poised, especially being ignored. That could also be a motivating factor uh, for them this year to be like, you know, nobody thinks that we can do it, so let's go out there and shock the world. And and if there's one guy that's going to use that because he used it last year, it's going to be Mike Zimmer because you know they they start out winning games last year and. You know, even when they were, you know, beating teams down in those first few weeks, the the cry from Zimmer was basically, oh, they don't respect us. They don't, you know, think we are capable of sustaining this and what have you. But, you know, like, like we've said, uh, this is a talented football team. And, you know, unless the injury bug just crushes them like it did last season, uh, they, they've upgraded in too many places and there's just too much solid talent on this team for them to uh to have two bad years in a row i don't think i agree they've made some good moves in free agency they've they've hit with a with a good deal of their draft picks as well so the foundation is uh the foundation is there so uh be interesting to see how it all unfolds uh for minnesota and as usual uh chris would be happy to have you back um to preview that monday nighter uh going into chicago see how that thing's going to uh turn out uh if 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 the experts have it right the bears are going to still be looking for their first victory of the year when minnesota is uh coming to uh coming to camp because we have we have atlanta tampa bay pittsburgh and green bay in the first four games uh this year so i mean if they the nfl the last couple of years has done a really great job of giving us the worst possible start to a schedule for the last three seasons (laughs) it's just been like, oh, well, that's an 0-3 start. That's an 0-3 start. And here we are. We could be 0-4 going into that game uh, against the uh, Vikings on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, it could be could be a very desperate time for the Bears and you're coming into Soldier Field playing a, a cornered animal, if you will. Yeah, and, and like we've said, I mean, it's at Soldier Field. I don't know if it's on Halloween night again, so we can throw that. Uh, no, October no, 9th this time. Yeah, way earlier than Halloween. So, yeah. you know, there's not been 
bad excuse for the Vikings this year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the games at Soldier Field, uh, like we said, no matter how good or bad the Vikings are or how good or bad the Bears are, uh, it, it's never predictable. So, yeah. you know, stranger things have happened. We'll have to see yeah. how it goes. Yeah, it's it's one of my def- one of my favorite uh, division uh, rivalries is is the Bears and the uh, the Vikings, where I happen to you know enjoy the other team more than I do, you know, like I like when the Bears play the Vikings because you know, like you said, good or bad, indifferent, mediocre, superior, whatever, those games are always a battle, especially in you know with the home and home thing. I, I like that it that it is that way. You know, that uh, we're at home, we got a good chance of winning against Minnesota, or so history would say. We go on the road, it's going to be tougher to win, and so on and so forth. It makes things exciting as opposed to how things go down. Number one, I hate the Lions, and Green Bay is just in, you know, a pattern of kicking our ass every single time, no matter what. So, um, you know, those games I'm really, you know, I look forward to, but I'm always kind of on edge because, number one, I don't want to lose to the Lions, and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop when we play the Packers because it always does. So, but I happen to like and and when the Bears play the Vikings because I feel like we have a shot, good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, uh, I'd like to think that that wouldn't be the case this year, but right. we've we've been too long to to actually think that's going to be the case. So, right, right, we'll have to see. Right, yes, indeed, and like I said, we look forward to having you back. Uh, uh, prior to the uh, the game preview, talk about how the first quarter of the season went down for our respective franchises and what to look forward to week number five. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I will be here. All right. Chris Gates, the Daily Norseman. Do you guys have a podcast yet? Because everybody seems to be getting one. Do you guys have one yet? Uh, we actually have two. Uh, oh, wow. both uh, featured yeah, the website there. We have one uh, that uh, Arifa San. Uh, and a couple of other folks from one of the local stations do call uh, Norse Code. Uh, oh, nice. They do they, during the season. They do that one once a week. Uh, I think I think last season they were actually starting to do them twice a week, but I'm not sure what their schedule is going forward. And uh, a couple of our uh, other writers, uh, Ted Glover and Di Murphy, uh, do one called Roughing the Podcast. Uh, <laughs> they kind of took some time off uh, this off season. They did a new episode uh, a week or so ago. And uh, as we get closer to the regular season and in the training camp, they'll probably ramp up again here as well. But, uh, yeah, there are links to both of those on the website for anyone that's interested in checking either of those out. All right. So give those uh, give those a peek, and you can see Chris uh, at thedailynorseman.com, uh, and you can see him on Twitter as well. Chris Gates, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciate it. As usual, I want to thank our guest Chris Gates for uh, coming on to the uh, coming on to the show and then helping us out with the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, up next will be our friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit, also on SB Nation, to help us preview the Detroit Lions, my least favorite team uh, in the division. And uh, we're talking to him about uh, whether or not the Lions can find themselves back in the playoffs uh, like they were a year ago, and and maybe. Uh, to see if they could get there without a three-game collapse at the end of the season. Because this was a team that, if you'll excuse the expression, had the division by the balls while uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were still trying to navigate their way through winning out the last six games of the season. It was the 
the the Lions that that were the team in first place that that had the had the vision you know by the throat and and uh, you know that went into the last three games with a nine and four record lost all three games to just barely make the playoff. I mean, it had a chance to head to head beat uh, Green Bay to win the division and go to the playoffs and uh, ended up uh, kind of backdooring their way in and losing in the wild card round to the to the Seahawks. So we'll talk to him about that and what went wrong in those last three games. Was it the schedule? Because they had like the Cowboys and the Packers and, and whatnot in that last three games. And, uh, you know, can they can they do it? Uh, can they go against the Detroit Lion grade, if you green, I should say, um, whereas if they make the playoffs one year, their bottom feeders the next. That's kind of the the history of of the Lions. They'll they'll have that great season where they'll win nine, ten, eleven games. They'll go to the playoffs and you know fall short in the playoffs and then come back the year after and be lucky if they can walk away with a six or seven game uh, win season. So uh, we'll see what he thinks and uh, how the Lions did in free agency in the draft and what to look forward to in 2017 so be on the lookout for that uh right now i'm scheduled to talk to jeremy on wednesday so that show will be out on thursday at the latest and then i've got evan western from acme packing company to help wrap up the nfc north on saturday of of next week Uh, so that show will either be out late saturday or early on sunday to close it out and then right now the guest that i have set up for the bears show is uh is lauren cox because uh at the very least i want to have somebody on the show who was a huge fan of the bears drafting a quarterback i mean i follow lauren on twitter and you should as well um i think it's lauren underscore cox on on uh cox uh for um on twitter um he and 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 brian perez from bears wire uh and and phil that that uh, he does his uh podcast with all you know leading up to the draft we're hoping that uh, we're talking about dream scenarios about how the bears could be sitting there at three with no quarterback uh taken they could have their choice of any of the quarterbacks and what a dream scenario that would be and so on and so forth when you know all i could hope for was the bears taking a jonathan allen or a jamal adams or something like that to bolster the defense and uh you know try to figure out in free agency and the rest of the draft uh you know to help pick up the, the, the you know pick up the remaining pieces that we need to help this thing move forward um you know to talk to someone who from the beginning thought the Bears should go with a quarterback and uh you know probably one of the few people that was actually excited about the move when the name Mitchell Trubisky was announced by the commissioner uh on draft day so uh that was the main reason why I wanted to get Lauren uh on the show because uh even Jeff Dickerson uh from ESPN who we've had on the show several times wasn't a fan uh, of the move so I don't want to talk to someone who's going to agree with me I want to talk to someone who's going to disagree with me and try to convince me as to why it is you know um, why it is that this is not a mistake and it was the right move for the Bears to make right now so uh, that's what Lauren is going to help us do so we'll have him on the show uh, I believe mid mid week of the fall I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week so next Saturday is the 15th that's when we'll be talking to Evan, so it'll be the 15th or 16th when the Packers show comes out. So either Tuesday or Wednesday, which would be the 18th or the 19th um, when uh, when I'll be talking to Lauren. So the show will be out the day after. So the 19th or the 20th, the Bears preview show will come out. And then we've got a, about a two, two and a half week break between the last show coming out and the next time that I'll be back, which will be to review 
week one of the preseason between the Bears and the Broncos, and then we'll pretty much be full tilt from then until the end of the season in December 31st, and hopefully, hopefully, if you believe Mitchell Trubisky anyway, who thinks the Bears can make the playoffs this year, knock on wood, um, you know, if you believe him, then uh, we'll be doing some January shows uh, this season as well, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes, but uh, that's the plan right now. We got Jeremy in a few days, uh, Evan a few days after that, and then Lauren Cox to help us preview the Bears uh, shortly after that. Then we have a nice little nice little break before we, we, we go full tilt from the preseason until the end of the season uh, for 2017. So, um, you know, um, in a few days we'll be back with Jeremy talking about the preview, talk about the pit, 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 pit. <laughs> to preview the Detroit Lions. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.